National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Sound of Freedom, a movie that almost didn't make it to theaters, has now topped box office charts. The movie's producer has called it a miracle. Register writer Patty Armstrong has followed the movie's production, its success, and its serious subject matter, human trafficking. She joins us with the story. Then we turn to a subject not easy to speak about, but that everyone faces at some point in life, and that's grief. We explore how to grieve the Catholic way, seeking heavenly help through sorrow and trauma. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host Matthew Bunsen, who is EWTN News' Vice President and Editorial Director. So, Matthew, over the last few weeks, I, I mean, you can hear my voice. I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> I've been sick, so I haven't been out um, to see this film. But I've heard a lot of friends and family talking about uh, the anti-trafficking film, Sound of Freedom. And some were saying, oh, I don't, I don't want to spend my, you know, Fourth of July seeing this film. It's, it's so troubling. Um, That's but right. they also expressed that they knew they had to. So this, this it, is a film that generated uh, immense uh, passions uh, in, in those who went to see it. Mm-hmm. And what's striking about it is that despite uh, being not exactly a, a film backed by a massive amount of Hollywood interest, right. uh, it still reached number one at the box office uh, on its opening day on, on that July 4th. And it actually beat what was supposed to be one of the great tentpole films of this year, which is uh, the fifth Indiana Jones installment. So this it's, is a, a remarkable. remarkable achievement. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. really is. And, and that passion has only continued to the point where I think they've been adding theaters uh, because there are so many people clamoring to see it. That's right. So now this was created by two Catholic filmmakers, Eduardo Verastegui and Eduardo Monteverde. And, and these are two uh, Mexican-born film writers. Um, of course, it stars uh, the Catholic actor, Jim Caviezel. Um, the, these two um, producers have uh, done the film Bella many years ago. Um, it, they, they are no stranger to controversial topics. That was on abortion. Um, so they, they knew what they were in for when they, when they did this. But uh, it's it has been a remarkable journey, and we want to bring Patty Armstrong into the conversation because she has spoken to Jim Caviezel. She's been covering uh, this uh, the success of the film, but also the very serious subject matter and what Catholics can do about it. So Patty Armstrong is a, an award-winning journalist. She's written for the Register for many years. Uh, she's written some great books, m- most of them inspirational or humorous, um, like Dear God, I Don't Get It, <laughs> or Dear God, You Can't Be Serious, What Would or What Would Monica Do, these just really fun books that help us in our journey, but she has also written, as I said, about this um, very serious movie. So, Patty, welcome to Register Radio. Thank you, Jeanette and Matthew. I really appreciate you having me on to talk about this. So I just want to start because Matthew and I haven't seen it. Um, Of course, people who are listening may not have seen it. Can you give us just a blurb so that we have a sense, a teaser of what the film is about? Yeah, so and I had the privilege of also interviewing Tim Ballard, who's a real-life person, and I'm just going to let you know that this is huge, but there's something even bigger coming up, because next year they're going to start filming Sound of Freedom 2, which is even more dramatic. Tim Ballard 
has nine kids now. At the time of the movie, he had six. He's a former Homeland Security um, guy who would bust pedophiles and work into the human trafficking side of things. But he um, uh, got a little boy who was in a sting operation, and the little boy said, can you save my sister who had been kidnapped? So he got permission to go into Columbia and try to track that down. And in the end, he was just getting into it, but he still needed a lot more time. And he had to choose between quitting his job in order to keep going deeper and try to rescue this little girl. In the process, he rescued over 100 other children. And this, so he did quit his job, and there was somebody who came forward and um, helped support his family. It was his wife who insisted they had six kids. And here he's going into a very dangerous situation, dealing with the worst of the worst who traffic children who are kidnapped and um, used in sex trafficking. So he did it, he was successful, and he began working on his own. He founded he founded an organization that he separated himself with, so we won't get into that, but he's doing this full-time. And the second part of the story that apparently he told me there's going to be a second movie they're going to start filming on, he now has nine children, his wife had another baby, and... He adopted two children from Haiti that he bought in a sting operation four years ago. They they joined their family. So this guy's the real deal. It was such an honor to interview him and then to interview Jim Caviezel, who plays him, because uh, Tim isn't the only heroic one. Nowadays in Hollywood, for him to have played a role like this and to speak out so publicly, he has experienced a lot of backlash. But he says, I don't belong to the Church of the Happy Jesus. John the Baptist lost their head, and, and Jim, uh, you know, Tim Ballard and what he does, he's putting his head on the line, and Jim is willing to do the same thing. So this is a movie, you're like, I don't want to go see that, but no, you got to see it. It's, it is good. Um, I mean, it is so good, you're not just going to be, you're going to be amazed, you're going to be fascinated that this is a true story, and you're going to be motivated and so many other people are seeing it. It's like you need you need to get involved, and this is going to go deep after you see it. Your your desire to make a difference is going to really go deep in you. Well, uh, it has uh, one of the uh, highest ratings ever at the Rotten Tomatoes site, which is one of those uh, little barometers for how a movie's doing and how people are reacting to it. Uh, but I wanted to ask you because this is a film based on real life events and. The challenges that the, are always facing someone bringing that to life uh, and then dealing with a topic like this, what were some of the obstacles that they, they had to overcome? Because there obviously wasn't a lot of support uh, from no, the Hollywood there community. Wasn't. Oh, not at all. Um, Hollywood is ignoring it. Some of the movie critics are like ripping Jim Caviezel apart. Really? Since when do they rip Tom Cruise apart when they are looking at the latest Top Gun movie? And and because I used to go on movie junkets, so I went to movies that were inspired by true stories, like The Dolphin Tale or um, The Right. You know, they take a grain of truth, and then they write a whole story around it that's just all made up. Well, I asked Tim Ballard, how close is this to the truth? He said, yeah, this is pretty much the story. And so when you listen to the mainstream media or the left, a lot of times they're ignoring it or they're picking it apart. And it's like, you know how movies work. Why would you pick one little thing? You know what it's like as writers when you've got to encapsulate a big story into something small, you know, like a word count or two hours of a movie, you've got to pick and choose what you're going to show. But they were very honest. Tim really felt like it portrayed 
the movie. I mean, I've never seen a movie where I felt the characters involved stayed as close to what actually happened as with this movie. And and you talk about what was interfering. Well, for him, he's already living a dangerous life. I mean, he goes undercover. You don't know who he is. Who he, I mean, you could sit right next to him. You wouldn't recognize him. But for Tim, they had, what did they have? They had that, like 180 SEALs who were with them when they were filming in Columbia. But one day there were only two because the other 98 had gone out and rescued 200 children that day from human trafficking. So Jim's wife was a little nervous. Jim was going to go out on one of the missions, and Tim, he, Tim shut that down. He said it was getting too dangerous, so he didn't. But he was in the war room. He said, I saw things. Things were opened up to me that I wasn't supposed to see. I mean, they let him see it, but it's not the kind of stuff your average person is going to be privy to. So it's it's real serious. And that's why for Jim, he said, this is the most important movie that he's made since The Passion of the Christ. And since then, he's done other acting, like with The Count of... Um, but this is... This is who he is. This isn't just an acting job for him. He's very, very passionate about this cause. Well, and given that it is uh, so close to reality, I think in some ways that makes it more difficult to watch, but also more important to watch. And one of the things in this film that uh, I think is very striking is the transformation in the character of Jim Ballard, who goes from somebody who's pursuing online purveyors of child pornography and then come to the realization of just how global this is but let's let, can we talk briefly about those two aspects because there's this a misunderstanding i think in a lot of part parts of a lot of people just how close to home human trafficking human sex trafficking is here in the united states it's not close to home it is home <laughs> it's in home which yeah. it's here in the united states and so i did write two other articles um I wrote one, Sound of Freedom offers opportunity to highlight a Catholic approach to helping victims of sex trafficking heal from trauma. So I talked to Deb O'Hare Roskowski, who belongs to the Order of Malta, and she has written a program, a global program that um, the United Nations has used, that um, she is she has worked in the field, wrote uh, wrote a program for hospital people that work in healthcare to recognize and save the victims because they don't just volunteer, here I am, and a lot of times they're living in fear. And then you have to look at the treatment. There's only 700 beds in the United States. So DAB, with the Order of Malta, they have a plan. They're hoping to expand that and do it in a Catholic way because a lot of these programs, there's only one, Metanoia Manor. I talked to Doctor or uh, Father Jeff Bahi, and there's also um, a Father Chuck who's Beth Swenson. But they started Metanoia Manor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that has been treating children through up to age 18 of victims of sex trafficking. So in the article, I say how yeah, there's a certain amount of kidnapping, but what you see more often in the United States is where. Somebody plays the Romeo, like, oh, I'm in love with you. Oh, gee, I would want to marry you if we could just get a little more money. Where there's a guy that grooms his victim, and the girl becomes entrapped. For boys, it is online video games that exploded during COVID. So I was told this by the both of them. 
So I wanted to look up and get some kind of verification, you know, that, that this is really happening. So the first thing that popped up was an actual case in Florida in a newspaper that the, there was a second boy that was kidnapped. They'll say, hey, let's get together. They'll pose as a teenager. Um, let's get together and play video games at my house. And then a van picks them up and they're never seen from again. So when I wanted to say, well, okay, if this is really happening, what kind of news can I find on it? Sure enough, there was that article from a Florida newspaper, and this boy had somehow they escaped or alerted authorities, and there was another boy who had been there for a year when he arrived. So this is happening in the United States. And one thing Father Jeff told me, it's kind of a heartbreak. They've served 85 girls in five years. They bring in sisters from other countries. So they have a sister model, which Deb calls the secret sauce, that because they have this constant loving presence where these sisters, their vocation, because the, the, the depth of, of hurt and woundedness that in 42% of these girls that Father Jeff has, has they've taken in at Metanoia Manor, 42% were trafficked by family, by their caregivers. And only one out of 85 was reunited with the family. So so the United United States is the biggest purchaser of child porn and child sex trafficking. So it is definitely a wake-up call for all of us. It is. And I want to point our listeners, I mean, you've given a lot of information, but all of this can be read. You've written about these so that people can find out more information about these groups and learn how to help. Uh, so one way to help is to see the movie, Sound of Freedom. Um, another way to help is to read this story and find out more. So this is Patty Armstrong's story. Song, Sound of Freedom offers opportunity to highlight a Catholic approach to helping victims of sex trafficking. And then the other one is Sounds of Freedom is Stirring Hearts to Help Victims of Sex Trafficking. You can find both of those stories at ncregister.com. We're going to take a brief break. Um, Patty Armstrong is staying with us. Uh, So we will discuss how to go through grief the Catholic way with Patty. And we'll also talk about Grandparents Day. So stay tuned. This is Register Radio, and there is more when we return. If you need your news on the go, read the register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette Mello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, EWTN's EWTN News's VP. I can't roll off the tongue yet, Matthew, but it'll it'll get there. Um, so. 
Patty Armstrong, we've been talking to her about human trafficking, a very difficult topic, and we're going to talk about another difficult one here, grief. And uh, Patty, you wrote in your article on the backside of happiness is grief, an emotion that we can't completely avoid or prepare for. That's how you led this story on grief. And that really touched me. <laughs> and the reason is, is I have been dealing with grief this year. I just lost my grandmother a month ago. Um, but there have been a number of things in the course of this year, losses uh, in my family, that have just been little pricks, you know, to my heart. And I'm, I'm realizing, hey, this is grief. And I read your story and I was like, everybody experiences that at certain points in life. And so, first of all, I just want to thank you for writing about such a challenging topic. Well, thank you, Jeanette. Um, that means a lot to me that you said that because a lot of thought goes into my first sentence. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I knew the topic was thought that a lot of people would say, ah, I don't want to read that. And so I wanted to bring people in in a way that um, we could all relate. Absolutely. Because the human condition is there's going to be grief, little, big, along the way. We can't stop it. What should we do about it? Yeah, I once heard someone say, you know you love when it hurts that you're apart, right? You know, that your love grows fonder. People always say that, your love grows fonder when you're apart. But you know you love when it hurts that you're you're separated, right? Um, and, and so that's something that I'm experiencing, you know, in the loss of my grand, grandmother and others who we have lost as a family over this year. And, and so I wanted to know, first of all, why you chose this topic, what made you take up this topic. Um, and then I want to get into the different ways that people handle grief, because that's pretty much what you, what you were writing about. So why did you pick this up? Well, this is funny. I was going to do a book review, and it was a Catholic book, but it had like some new agey stuff in it. I'm like, no, not going to do this book. Forget it. Um, but I was already all in on the topic. So... Um, I, you know, I have a degree in social work. I worked in the field. I have a lot of psychology behind me. And so, to me, I, I've written on this topic before, and I talked to a therapist many years ago who said, Americans don't always know how to grieve. In other countries, they're ripping their clothes, and they're, they're howling and sobbing. In this country, people tend to be more stoic, but you've got to grieve. It's not something you can skip over. And our faith helps us to do that. There are other faiths. Now, I have a family member who left the church and they lost a child. Well, they knew she wasn't going to live very long after she was born, but they had a, they couldn't make any sense out of it because their their faith, the stuff they left behind when you leave the Catholic Church, um, some, some of that is that understanding and joining our suffering with Christ and Him carrying us and that there's power in offering this up, and it's transformative. You know, they've got some of that story, but not all of it, whereas at some point we can surrender and know that God is doing something in us through this grief. And, of course, because um, we all believe that there's an afterlife, you know, we hope and trust that we're going to all be together someday. And I'm real careful with um, when, when somebody who's not Catholic has lost a family member, I say I'm praying for everybody. If they're Catholic, they know I'm praying for the soul of their loved ones. Right. But, but, and so we have that full understanding. And so, you know, I have interviewed so many people that have lost children that have had just really, really um, very difficult situations. 
And so I've kind of journeyed with them through a lot of that, and I and I care about helping people to go the next step once they are ready to start pulling themselves together. Because you know what? Not everybody does. I have met people who are still angry or who leave their faith over this. Right. And so I think knowing how to grieve and seeing it coming, how many people, and you may have seen this too, how many people lose their faith in God because something bad happened to them, something difficult and painful? Like, you knew that was, you knew that was a possibility. You knew it happens to other people. But then when it happened to you, and I really feel like that's why it's important to read these kind of articles, to kind of wrap our head around it ahead of time, to surrender ahead of time, so that when we do experience that grief, we are somewhat ready for it. We can never be totally prepared. Totally. Exactly. But we need to know that there. this is your, your, your subhead of, of that whole article. No matter the situation, God is bigger. And so I'm going to point people to ncregister.com. The article is titled, Grief the Catholic Way, Seek help, Heavenly Help Through Sorrow and Trauma. So that's the article that Patty wrote on grief. And Patty, you, you talk about um, this uh, author, uh, uh, Jenny Irwing, uh, From Grief to Grace, and you, you go through that book, and there's also an, a great explanation of good grieving versus um, more, more complicated grief. What is that? Well, she explains in her book that complicated grief means getting stuck without attempting to move forward. So there's a time when you just need to grieve, just totally surrender to that. But then at some point when you obsess and ruminate over your loss, and I mean, I've I've interviewed um, a parent of a a child who was killed in a school shooting, and then there's some... And she, I went, I walked through the process with her. So what Jeannie went through with a child with a disability that she has to live with that situation, okay, how do you move forward in a positive way without obsessing and ruminating and kind of becoming paralyzed? So she talks about good grieving, not necessarily giving yourself a timeline or forcing a sunny spirituality, but being honest with yourself, even if you have anger towards God, and then talking to some, somebody that you can trust, somebody who's trained a spiritual director or a therapist, so that and then allowing that chasm of the loss to transform you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do the proper grieving. Don't skip over that because you can't. You can't if you want to be healthy, but then move on to that next level when you're ready. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that this article, it, it gives us not only kind of that understanding uh, and space to grieve, but you also write about saints who can help perhaps in that process, uh, just to, to overcome where we are through the help of heavenly heavenly friends, right? Um, and at times, a spiritual director, as you've mentioned, or a counselor. I'm going to say it again so that people can go to this article, but then I want to move to another important topic. So, Grieve the Catholic Way. You can look that up at ncregister.com, and it's an article Patty Armstrong wrote about. Patty, it is also Grandparents' Day uh, on Sunday, July 23rd. Um, this is a wonderful 
day in the church that Pope Francis has really elevated. He has said he owes his faith to his grandmother. And, um, and I think many of us feel that way about our grandparents. Uh, so uh, for you, who's the grandmother of, of 17, you and your husband, Mark, have 10 kids and now 17 grandkids, happy uh, Grandparents' Day uh, on Sunday. Um, but why is this day so special, and how can, how can people like you, grandparents, take, uh, the, the mo- make the most of it? I bet a lot of people don't even know about it, because I didn't know about it. This is the third year. It's, it's Sunday, July 23rd, and my goodness, you get a plenary indulgence granted to Catholics taking part in the upcoming third World Day for grandparents and the elderly. So, how can you celebrate? How can you get this indulgence? Well, you go to Mass, and you, um, you're just being a grandparent, but you have to do all the conditions for an indulgence, sacramental confession, reception of the Eucharist, and pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. Now, if you're not a grandparent, you can visit somebody who's sick or elderly. Um, you can participate and also get this plenary indulgence. And um, for, the, for the grandparents, I think you just have to enjoy that you, that you can do this. It, it recognize, I mean, you have to have detachment from sin, that you are eligible for an apostolic uh, plenary indulgence, and then just do the usual, once you've gone through the, you know, confession, receive the Eucharist, and then you're supposed to pray in Our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be for our Holy Father. So what a gift he's given to grandparents. It really is. It's it's something he has highlighted and desired to highlight um, uh, throughout his papacy, just the importance of, of two things. One, us honoring our grandparents, um, and their wisdom, but also the the responsibility of grandparents and parents to hand on the faith. It's a complete circle, right? I mean, it needs to mm-hmm. it needs to operate both ways. And of course, he does this just before the feast of Saints Anna and Joachim, the the grandparents of Jesus, and that's why it is on this Sunday. So, very important day. Recognize your grandparents. I'm uh, my grandparents are now all uh, on their heavenly journey, I hope, uh, we pray. Um, but I owe them my, my faith, um, truly. And so to grandparents like you, Patty, we are grateful, and um, we pray for you this Sunday. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me on. We covered a lot of topics, but you guys do it so artfully. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's Thanks a pleasure. and. Yes, thank you for what you do. You cover all these topics at ncregister.com very artfully, and um, and for that I am always grateful. So I invite our listeners to go to ncregister.com for more news, analysis, and commentary, so check out the Register online. And as always, thanks for joining us here on Register Radio on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, I am truly grateful. (laughs) And I am Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, I pray God bless you. For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on ewtn.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's never too late. And I've just started listening to Catholic Radio in the mornings to listen to Mass, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm at a piece where I need to get back to my Catholic roots. Thank you for listening to EWTN Radio. 